Mark, let's take you back to the beginning. And just ahead of your Crucible debut came the all-important last 48 match back in 07 against Rob Milkins. Can you remember feeling a surge of excitement that you'd finally earned your passage through to the Crucible? Or did you take it in your stride because you were expecting to get there all along? Yeah, it was weird because obviously getting to the Crucible is a big deal and it definitely was a big deal then. But yeah, I was just taking it in my stride. I'd had a reasonably good first season on tour, won a lot of matches. And it was just another match for me at that time. And yeah, I played really good stuff. I remember being 5-4 up at the end of the first session and then I pulled away to win 10-5. Scored really heavy. Uh, yeah, and I played a lot of good snooker throughout that week and I was excited then for Sheffield. And how special was the debut, bearing in mind you played Ken? Yeah, playing Ken was just a match I was comfortable with because we'd played a few times in pro-ams knowing the Irish scene and uh, someone I looked up to a lot and he obviously, I think he was provisionally world number one actually whenever I played him. Uh, but it was a match I knew I could win. I was just so confident going in because I'd won so many games and you know, obviously I've been there a while now and I know what it's like being the seed and the pressure you feel as a seed, you know, coming up against one of the people that are pretty sharp coming through qualifying and I took all that in my stride and you know, used that to my advantage and I started really well. I think I won the first mini session 4-0 and never looked back. And can you remember feeling any nerves before you walked out the first time? Because people say it, it's an iconic moment for a player's career, but you're not someone who really suffers with nerves. So how did you approach that last couple of minutes before walking out there for the very first time? Honestly, I was just excited. I wasn't overly nervous. I, I get nervous for every match and no, it was no different, but I was more excited than nervous. I was just so happy to be there and I felt like I belonged straight away. And uh, I, I've always believed in my ability and coming through that qualifying and just my second season on tour, I wasn't overly surprised. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I really don't, but I just I had such a good pedigree from the amateur scene. I was used to winning tournaments, winning a lot of matches. And I was just confident going into the pro game and, uh, Probably a little different now for a lot of the amateurs coming through. It's maybe a little easier to get on tour and you don't have that pedigree behind you. But yeah, I was just excited by every new opportunity, really. And when you do play your first match at the Crucible, everybody makes a lot of the fact that certain sections of the crowd could tap you on the back. And, and it is tight when it's on two tables. Are you conscious of that as a player when you're experiencing that for the first time? Or are you used to it because you've watched it year after year on TV with other people going through that? No, I don't think the TV does it justice. Uh, I remember one of my very first shots against Ken, I'd potted a long red and left the white sort of in the jaws of the middle pocket. And I had to roll of the blue into the opposite middle. And I honestly felt like at any stage, the person in the front row could just reach over and push my cue. Uh, <laughs> it felt like everything was that close. And, yeah, it's something that you still feel now going there. I've been there many, many years and yeah, it's still very, very tight. And do you think there are certain players, and I'm, I'm not fishing for a name, I'm talking generally. Do you think there are certain players who just, for whatever reason, even though they're classy, they just can't quite get their heads around how tight it is and it puts them off? I don't know about putting them off, but I know that the likes of Maguire, who's a good friend of mine, he's, he has a big like pre-shot routine where he walks in. Robertson's the same, and they're, they're big guys as well. So I would say it's not the most comfortable for them guys. Uh, even you look at Alan McManus, you know, a few times you know, he bumps into the partition and things like that because he's a pronounced walk-in. But for me, I, I don't really have that. A lot, of, a lot of others don't have that. But I'd say for the bigger guys, it's definitely a bit uh, daunting at times. And what are your memories of the following year when you played that epic against Stephen Hendry? Because that, again, 
that must have been pretty special to, to, to play another former champion, a man who was stood alone at that time as a seven-time King of the Crucible. Yeah, that was a bit bittersweet, that match for me, because it was a big match for me in many ways, because Henry was the person I always looked up to. Uh, he's my hero in snooker. I played him, I remember, in Belfast in my very first tournament, and I was just completely overawed by playing Stephen Henry. I think I spent the whole match watching him. And then we played in the UK Champs later that year, and I made a conscious decision of not looking at him the whole game, just to try and give myself a chance of winning. And I did, I won 9-4, 9-5. So I was sort of optimistic about my chances at Sheffield against him, even though he was, at that time, the King of the Crucible. Uh, but that match was one that definitely got away from me. It was 6-3 up. Lost a frame, I think, when he needed two or three snookers. Uh, and then had my chance at 9-7 to win 10-7. Didn't take it and didn't really get a look the last few frames. But, yeah, it was definitely one that got away. And it was it hurt at the time because I felt like I was going to miss out in the top 16. Uh, and I was very fortunate. A few results went my way and I ended up finishing 16. So it was bittersweet, but it finished well in the end. And then to 2009, that great run to the semi-finals. And of course, people within snooker had been excited about your game for, for quite a while, but there are those who only watch the Crucible and they don't follow the tour as, as, as it unfolds, as the season progresses. People were amazed outside of snooker at your win over Ronnie. But I guess for those of us who followed you for a long time, that 13-11 in the last 16 to make it through to what was your, your first Crucible quarter-final, it just proved that even with O'Sullivan, you are not intimidated by anybody's reputation because you know on your day, when you're on form, it doesn't matter who's in the other chair. Yeah, I've always believed in my ability. Uh, I remember Ronnie was world number one and defending champion at the time, and they don't come any bigger than that. Uh, but it was a match I still was confident that I could get the result if I played my best stuff. I probably played one of the best sessions I've ever played at the Crucible in the second session of that match, and I think I lost at 5-3. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about where Ronnie's at and how good he is. Uh, but from 9-7 down, I played a pretty flawless final session as well. I had Ronnie under all sorts of pressure and forced some mistakes. And yeah, myself and the horde of fans that I brought with me for that match, you know, we all believed that I could get through that round, and you know, I obviously went on to show them that I was right. Do you think in the context of the major titles you've won <laughs> and what a great season you're having this year do you think that was an important staging post beating Ronnie in the manner in which you did as as he was the reigning champion at the crucible yeah I think so to beat someone of that stature over that distance you no know, in his backyard so to speak because he's you know, done so well there it was a big moment in my career but I don't want that moment to define me either you no know, uh, I probably haven't replicated that form since, if I'm honest. Probably 2010, I think it was, when I lost a dot in the quarters, 13-12. That was a year I felt like it got away. I felt like I had the game to win that year. And But other than that, I don't, just haven't produced my best stuff. So I need to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and think about what I was doing right back then to get those wins and hopefully take it into this year. Well, the win against Ronnie was followed up with victory over Ryan. Same scoreline, 13-11. So you have experienced the single table setup, albeit um, quite a while ago. And you turned that into a great match because you were 8-2 down early on. Then you got back to 15-12. Uh, what are your memories, not so much of the match, but of the single table setup, that, that kind of fabled, that fabled table in that great arena? Yeah, the first thing I noticed is how different it is compared to you know, the winners' two tables and the partition. You feel 
when you're in your seat, you're not part of the match. You're so far away. It feels like you're just watching another sport, really, from like the crowd. Uh, the table really got to me in the first session. I'll never forget that. Me and John really struggled, and he just used every ounce of experience to get that you know, win 6-2, I think he won the first session. And then after that, ma the match was no level. No, the rest of the game, I lost 17-13 in the end, but I'd done the damage in the early sessions. And I remember the second session in particular. I started to feel good out there, and I lost the session 7-1. Higgins was just perfect. Uh, scored really heavy, safety was immaculate, and didn't feel like I'd done much wrong. And it was 13-3 down. And I, I was just like, yeah, this is a bit of a waste of time being in this one table setup. So to come back, I won the next session 6-2, got back to within like 15-12, like you say. But from 15-12 to lose 17-13, I remember two balls that I missed in those two frames that were unforgivable, really. And I could have put John under a bit more pressure. And I remember at 15-12 thinking, like, don't make it easy for him to get in. I felt like he was feeling it a bit because I was mounting a good comeback. Obviously, the crowd were on my side because they wanted to see a close game. And uh, I remember him even saying it afterwards that he was completely gone at a point. And I just I missed an easy red, just took an eye off a red, you know, trying to play through a gap and left him an easy starter and he made 100. And that was all she wrote, really 16-12, I was up against it again. But it's one that I'd love to have seen what would have happened if I got the 15-13, 15-14. And yeah, who knows, but it's what could have been. But I want to get back there and experience that again because it was awesome. And you, you mentioned the match against Graham Dot, you know, for, for, for what would have been back-to-back semi-finals. And, and from 4-0 up, you, you've alluded to the fact that you feel 2010 is a missed opportunity. Yeah, I just remember that match in particular. I played some really good stuff. I, got, I was 12-10 in front. Uh, I missed a red into the middle pocket that wasn't easy, but one that you maybe should get. And I didn't see a shot. Honestly, did not see a shot. Uh, Dot was perfect in the last three frames. He made, I think he made 370s or 270s and an 80. And it was a big game for him at the time because he needed to get to the semis to get back in the top 16. And I remember as much as I was disappointed when I shook his hand at the end of the match, I said, look, really well played there at the end and welcome back to the top 16 because he fully deserved it. I felt like you know, I made one mistake in the last three frames and got punished, but I was just disappointed because I felt like my game in general was in good shape that week. Uh, I was scoring heavy, my safety was good and just with the players that were left that year, I really fancied doing the job. You make the quarters in 11 when you, when you played Mark Williams, but it's amazing to think, bearing in mind what you've won across your career and what you've done this season specifically, that you've only made one quarter-final since 11. Is that down to you running out of steam at the end of a season or have you just come up against a number of scenarios where your opponents have just played out of your skin and there wasn't much you can do about it? There's probably a mixture there. Uh, a few times I've maybe just run out of steam. Uh, didn't help myself knowing the physical condition that I was in. And yeah, I just probably didn't have much left after a long season and that's my own fault. But other times I felt like my game was good enough and I just come up against opponents that were too good on the day. Uh, Robertson in particular in one of the years, I remember being seven, six in front and hardly got a shot the rest of the match. I think I lost the last seven frames and probably didn't score many points in those frames. That was when Robertson made the, the century of centuries in the next round. And yeah, he was really, really good. So no complaints there. I lost to Higgins one year, 13-10, I think it was, when I don't feel like he can play any better than that. And I got two really bad kicks on 58 and 70 and lost two, those two frames. And that was the difference. Uh, and I lost to Hawkins, I think, one year, 13-11 or 13-12, when 
yeah, a few little things went against me, and you, you need that bit of luck, and I don't feel like I've had that little bit of luck at Sheffield. So uh, if I can go there and play well and maybe get that rub of the green in the tighter matches, then you know, maybe that's what I need to turn things around. Does it make you even hungrier than perhaps some of the other players, the fact that we haven't seen you in the single table setup since 09 and, and we haven't seen you in the quarterfinals as much as people might have expected? Do you, do you feel you owe yourself a massive crucible run? Uh, possibly, like, but I'm not getting ahead of myself either. I'm not going to put any extra pressure on myself because I want to go there and try and enjoy it because it's a privilege to get to go and play in Sheffield every year. You know, people forget that. I'm privileged to do what I do for a living, so if I look back at my career and I haven't ever won a world title, I'll be very disappointed, don't get me wrong, but I'm not, I'm not going to go out there and try and put myself under all sorts of pressure to do well because it's hard enough as it is without all that expectation on, on your shoulders by other people, but no one's as harsh a critic on me than I am myself, so uh, I want to go there and perform, but just for me, not for anything else. At the end of last season, you beat Scott Donaldson in the first round and, and then Ronnie ran, ran through you 13-4. Had you already decided before the Crucible campaign last year that you were going to change your fitness and, and, and you were going to come back a lighter, leaner player? Or was the manner of that match against O'Sullivan part of, part of kind of completing your thinking about what you needed to change? I'm going to be honest and say that I had absolutely no plans to change anything. Uh, I was maybe a little disillusioned from the game at the time and wasn't really sure where I was going. I felt like it was frustrating just continually day after day, you know, putting the hours in on the practice table, playing really good stuff on the practice table and then just not competing at the World Championships every year. And I always said that I don't want to be one of these people that just wins matches here and there and makes a few quid and you know, disappears into the sunset. If I don't feel I can compete for the biggest titles, I'd rather walk away from the sport because I, d I don't want to be that person that falls down the rankings and goes out with a whimper. And I remember just towards the end of the match against Ronnie, because I, I was getting completely outplayed, I did have chances, but I could have made it closer, but Ronnie was too good. But I remember towards the end thinking, I don't want to be the person that just turns up and gets beat 13-4, even though Ronnie's the greatest ever. I was frustrated myself that I hadn't made more of a game of it. And I remember just at, at the end when he was on his winning break thinking, do you know what, I'm going to ask him just for a chat after, uh, see if I can pick his brain, see if there's anything that I should be doing that I'm currently not, and just see how he copes with Sheffield and the expectation on him. Because Ronnie doesn't look like he cares, but he obviously, you've seen the way he was when he won that final, he obviously cares a lot. Uh, and he obviously finds ways of dealing with that. So the chat that we had after, yes, part of it was about snooker, but it was life in general, financial issues that we've both been through, just obviously splitting with partners that we've both been through, uh, child stuff that we've both been through. So it was interesting to pick his brain about a number of things and just turn, turn my life around. I think I've, I owe it to myself and to my family to give it another go properly because I felt like I was just wasting a few years, not, not so much from a work standpoint on the table, but I wasn't giving myself any sort of chance to compete for the biggest titles by what I was doing off it. No, uh, just eating to oblivion really and enjoying myself too much off the table. Not, not that I was doing it during the season, but my summers always entailed a lot of party time and time with friends and I just needed to change that because I believe that I'm too good a player not to win those big titles and I just need to make the same sacrifices now at my age than I was making at 18, 19 or whenever I wasn't going partying with my mates, I was in the club. So there's been a lot of changes you know, both on and off the table and I think it's doing me in good stead so far this year.
It certainly has. So, so would you say that that specific conversation was a huge, huge part of that? It was a big part of it. I had been speaking to some very close friends as well about you know, my weight issues and how much I was eating and you know, that was getting me down and even it was getting me down to the extent that I wasn't even enjoying Penn Snooker because I was constantly thinking about my shirt hanging out and my belly being on show and not being able to reach certain shots and it was just a very frustrating time and it just felt like the game's hard enough as it is without thinking those things when you're playing as well so the Ronnie thing was a big thing but even the chats I had with very close friends they sort of reiterated pretty much what Ronnie had already told me and some people had already told me before Ronnie had told me I just didn't really choose to listen uh, I'm glad I did because regardless of where I go in snooker I, I still believe that I've got a lot to offer the game but regardless of what I do I feel like I've prolonged my life expectancy a little bit better and that can only be a good thing for trying to raise my daughter, giving her a good life and uh, you know, concentrating on her security more than anything. So all that bearing in mind, how satisfying has it been to be this season's outstanding performer and pick up three major titles already in a single campaign? Yeah, I think it says a lot about where my game's at and where I'm at mentally as well uh, because I haven't had my best stuff, I've played some good stuff here and there, but mentally I've been as strong as I've ever been and I think that's what separated me this season from anyone else. Uh, I don't think anyone's played standout snooker apart from probably Sean at the Players' Championship and I've just been picking up the pieces which is great. Uh, but it's exciting times as well because I do believe that once I start playing my best stuff more regularly then winning two, three tournaments a year should become a bit more of a habit. And heading into this year's Crucible, you will be one of the favourites, bearing in mind all that you've achieved already this year, with what you've said has not always been your, your A-game. You comfortable with that tag? Well, time will tell. Like, but I, I, I don't feel like that's going to add any more pressure than I already put on myself at the Crucible. Uh, I want to go there and be world champion. I make no qualms about that. I know it's the dream that I've always had since I started out in the game. And, I want to be world, world number one and if I was to go to Sheffield and win the World Championships that would take care of both of those. Uh, the way that the rankings are looking at the minute, one would take care of the other and uh, that's a position I've never been in before. You know, I've been sort of one of the top players you know, many times and but even one of the World Championships wouldn't have got me to world number ones whereas I think I'm about 100 grand behind Ronnie. I've still got this tournament and the Tour Championship left to try and close that gap further uh, and all likelihood barring bit of a strange result with the Crucible. I'm probably going to finish the season my highest ever ranking regardless of how I do. So it'd be nice to push on and you know, give myself an opportunity of achieving two lifelong dreams at Sheffield. Mentally, is this the strongest you've ever been? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I think everything that's been thrown at me in the last couple of years off the table has made me such a strong player on it. Uh, I feel like I have so much more to offer the game as well. I feel like, yeah. I've been showing you my B game for most of this season. I've won three tournaments and I'm quite a bit ahead in the one year list, but I feel like I can show so much more. Uh, and mentally, that it's because of my mental state that sort of I'm, I am where I am right now. And if my game sort of starts to match up to that mental state, then I think uh, people could be in trouble. The whole of Northern Ireland is holding its breath in anticipation. Good luck at the Crucible. Thanks, Rob.